Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Hey, well, hey, everybody, and as Morgan introduced, I am Jeremiah Sanders, and uh, I hope everyone had a great 4th of July uh, with family and friends. Hopefully got the grill out, you know, threw some burgers, dogs on there, if you're vegan, whatever you guys eat. Um, I, you know, I had a great time. I ate my meat and, uh, you know, watching fireworks, it was great. So, uh, but this week, like Morgan said, we're back in our series on parables, and just remember with, with parables, parables are something that, or stories that Jesus told to teach us the truth about himself, or uh, God, or about our, our relationship with God. So that's kind of the essence of parables. And the parable I'm going to talk about today is the lost sheep, and when I think about this parable, you kind of have to... Put yourself in the mind of a parent shopping at the grocery store with his or her kids. So now, now take, a time, take your time, hopefully it's a, you know, a couple years in the future, uh, picture yourself with kids, right? I know, that's probably really hard for you guys because hopefully far off in the future. Um, so you got it in your mind, right? You got it in your mind? Okay, cool. Now you have to imagine that your kids are gone that they just ran away, they got caught up, you know, looking in the candy aisle, looking at toys somewhere, I mean, maybe their next Lego set, maybe Lego Star Wars set, that would never be me, I don't have like seven sets at my house, Um, but anyways, you know a parent's going to be doing, or you as a parent would be doing all sorts of stuff to try to track down their kid, you know, you're going over the intercom, Billy, Billy, we, we need you. I don't know why Billy was the name that came over my head, but yeah, Billy. But you're going to do all these things to try to find your kid, chase him down, you know, get them back. And maybe you've actually been this lost child before. Maybe you did get caught up with the Legos. You did get caught up looking at the candy, whatever it is. Um, and it, it's just crazy how much a parent will do, though, to track down a child that they lost. You know, because a uh, parent, you know, really just loves their child so much. And if we put the situation in a God sense, this is what God does for us. Like, um, at one time we were all wanderers, we were all lost child, or maybe we still are in this room. But if we are his child and if we're one of the people that he has called, he's going to do whatever he can to find us. You know, so let, let's get in this text today with that in mind. So this is in Luke 15, 3 through 7 here. It says, So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls his friends together and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost, just so I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So Jesus starts off when he's telling this parable. He asks this question here um, as he's telling it. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 to go to the open country and find it? 
So basically, he's like, if you own sheep, and you know, trying to relate to people here because a lot of them were shepherds, farmers, that type of thing, um, why would you not go out to find it? If you're a shepherd, you care for your sheep, you know each one of your sheep. If you have 100, you know. If you have 62, you know. If you have 71, you know how many sheep you have because you groom those sheep, you take care of them, you are with them, you defend them from wolves, that type of thing. So, like, it's kind of just like a no-brainer to be like, hey, like, if, if you own sheep, why would you not go out to find this one sheep that you lost? Because this sheep is important because you care for the sheep and you take care of these sheep here. And this is what our God does, too. He, he loves all his sheep, and the lost sheep especially, or sinners, you know, the sinners of the world. You know, he cares so much that he sent his son to die for you. He, he did all the work. All you have to do is just turn from your sins and confess that Jesus is Lord here. It's, it's not hard. There's not a lot of steps. It's just very plain and simple right here. And, you know, he did the work of coming out to find us already by sending his son to die for us, you know. And it, going back to what it says in the parable here. And when the man finds the sheep, you know, he lays them on his shoulders, brings them home, rejoices with his friends. He's like having a party. He's like, yes, I found my lost sheep, you know, the one, one of the ones I cared for so much. And I want to point out here in verse 7, it goes, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So, that phrase right there would have been a direct dig, you know, kind of at the Pharisees, the religious leaders who were standing by. If you look back in chapter 15, verse 2, it talks about who Jesus was with there. He was with the tax collectors. He was with the sinners. And the Pharisees, they're grumbling. They're complaining. They're like, this dude receives sinners and he eats with them? Like, he must be one of them. Like, how can this guy be the son of God? And, you know, this is just true of Jesus and true of our God. Like, he loves to meet people right where they are. You know, regardless of what their status is, if they're a tax collector, if they're blind, if they got problems going on, and it's true of him today. He meets people right where they are. And it's also definitely true that there is a huge celebration up in heaven every time one sinner becomes saved. And beyond that, a lot of you who are Christians in this room, um, we need to meet people where they are because you could be the person that Jesus uses to, uh, you know, find this lost sheep, bring this lost sheep to himself. And what I mean by that, by meeting people where they are, you're like, okay, you know what Jeremiah said? He said, go meet the sinners where they are. So he said that. He's saying that Jesus said that. You know what? All my sinner friends are at the strip club right now. They're at Christie's. I'm going to meet them where they are, okay? Uh, Jeremiah said it. I'm going to do it. That is not what I'm saying, okay? Please don't hear me wrong. Don't, don't do unwise things. When, you, when I'm saying meet them where they are, I'm saying relate with people. In your workplace, you know, meet, meet them where they're at. Have conversations. Do life. Like, nobody, you're not better than anybody because you got saved when you were five or you got saved five years ago, you're no better than that person. So sometimes what people need, just that one thing that reaches them to Jesus, is just be loved, just to know that they're valued and that they're 
who they are, and um, yeah, just sometimes people just need to be met where they are, and just that relational evangelism is just huge, just doing life with people and loving them like Jesus would. So if, if you haven't caught this, this meaning of the parable, I think it's kind of right there in your face. So God is the shepherd, and we are or were the lost sheep. I know, you're like, Jeremiah blew through this parable. Well, it was only four verses, but I got a lot here still, so hang with me. I'm not, I'm not done yet. So if you're a Christian, though, you can look back and say, there was a point where you were a lost sheep in your life. And you can look back and say, God, thank you. Thank you so much that you brought me from where I was. And, I mean, I've, I've kind of said this before in here, but I'm so glad that I wasn't the Jeremiah in high school. You know, and, and now I look, I look back now and I'm like, you know, I'm so glad I wasn't the Jeremiah in college because the Jeremiah in college was not immature in his faith as the Jeremiah now. And I'm sure five, ten years down the road, maybe even like in a week from now, I'll look back and be like, I'm so glad I'm not the Jeremiah then because that Jeremiah then was an idiot and he needed maturing, he needed to grow in his faith. So I'm sure if you're a Christian in this room and hopefully you're growing in your faith, you can do that too. You can look to points and point to points in your life where you're like, wow, I'm, thank you God. Thank you God that you were there, that you loved me and that you were there for me and you were guiding me through these hard times in my life because I know I can and that's just, I think that's something so important in our faith because we sometimes just get caught up in our, whatever our crap is in our life. But there's times you just need to take that and just remember, hey, this is what God has brought me through, you know. This is, this is, we were lost sheep, and he found us, and he's molding us into the image of his son each and every day, bringing us closer to him. So I, I wanted to bring up some verses that kind of just follow the train of thought of looking back and remembering what God has done for us. So in 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider the great things he has done for you. So just, you know, looking back, considering all those great things he's done for you. And in Psalm 126.3, kind of along the same line here, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. You know, just looking back, consider, like, he has done great things for us. We need to be glad about those things, and he's still going to continue to do great things in your life. Like, if God has done great things in the past, don't doubt that he won't do them in the future. Yes, stuff's going to get hard. Crap's going to hit the fan in your life, but God will continue to do great things because that's who he is. And then Ephesians 2.8, and this is looking back to faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So sometimes, like, we need to be able to look back as Christians and be like, hey, like, thank you, God, that you saved me because I know under my own control, under my own power, that there is no way I would be saved today. It's only because of your grace and what you did on the cross that saved me. So looking back to being your own like faith story, when you came to know Christ, your own testimony, looking back and being like, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you, you did that for me. And if you're lost or just maybe backsliding, you know, call out to him. He wants you on his team or he wants you back. The, the following verses that I'm about to share talk about um, how to do this if you're either a lost sheep or just kind of maybe backsliding right now. So 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Our sins, or forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, just 
if we're lost, all you need to do, it's simple. Confessing our sins, he's, he's going to cleanse you. He, he's going to cleanse you from that unrighteousness there. And then James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So just that practice of drawing near to God. And question is, how do we do that, right? And this is still true for people who are, you know, Christians in this room, claim to be Christians, you know, reading our word, you know, in prayer, and having community with fellow believers. That's how we grow. And if you are lost and you, you know, come to know him, those are the couple of disciplines there that we need to be doing in order to grow, draw near to him. Okay. And then Acts 3.19, kind of along the same lines as 1 John 1.9, it says, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. So, just, if, if you're here and you're, if you're a lost sheep tonight, or just someone who would say you're backsliding, just turn from your sins, you know, confess those things to God. You know, he, he wants to cleanse you, he wants you on his team. And I, and I felt like this was a great other passage to go to just along with uh, being a sheep or a shepherd. So uh, this is John 10, 11 through 18. And in verse 11 of John 10, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So, from this text, kind of the main idea here, just put it out right in front of you right now, is uh, Jesus is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep, for all the lost sheep. And, you know, he did that for us. And like it says in the text, you know, Jesus is not a hired hand. He doesn't let his sheep get attacked by wolves and leaves him alone. He's there for the sheep. He defends the sheep, and he's going to be there. If stuff comes your way, he's there with you. He is near to the brokenhearted. He's near to people that are crushed in spirit. Um, that's just part of his character. He's with the sheep, and he's the good shepherd. And he would lay his life down for the sheep. It also says in the text how um, Jesus knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. You know, as, if you're a Christ follower, he knows you inside and out. And he knows what's going on, and he's, he's going to be right there with you. He's guiding you and grooming you through it all. Um, just reach out to him if you're struggling. He, he cares for you, and he is there, and he's walking with you. He is the good shepherd. And um, something interesting here I wanted to point out was in verse 16. Uh, it says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So as one commentator put it for verse 16, it says um, that this is referring to both Gentiles and Jews who would later convert into the fold and form the church. So, you know, Jesus was kind of trying to bring everybody in on this. It wasn't just 
of faith for, you know, the Jews, the Romans, the Greeks, just for everybody. He's trying to bring everybody in here to form the church here. And he goes on to say why the Father loves him is because he's going to lay his life down for the sheep that he's going to may take it up again. And, you know, no one takes his life from him. Jesus lays it down on his own accord, his own authority. You know, he voluntarily laid his life down for us. No, in a, in a human sense, you're like, you know, Pilate made him lay his life down. The Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish leaders, they made him lay his life down. No, Jesus at any moment, you know, through this whole process when he's being tried, can be like, call down, you know, legion of angels, the whole God squad coming down, just, you know, break him out, the whole, the whole nine yards there. But he voluntarily lays his life down and for all of us, and no, no person or government made him do this. It, it, he knew he needed to do this because our sins needed to be covered, and he loved us that much. And I know this is something people always revisit, and I think it's important for us to revisit as often as we can, but, um, you know, with crucifixion, the Romans really perfected the art of killing here, and, and just, they were just crazy, but um, it's not an easy way to go. You know, when you were crucified, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this before, know this, but you're getting nailed, nailed in your hands, nailed in your feet, and usually what happens is how you die is suffocation because you're pushing your, uh, pushing off your feet, going up the cross, you know, getting splinters up and down your back, and you die when you don't have enough strength to push yourself up off your feet. So if you're thinking of this, you're, you're bloody, all this stuff, and you die because of suffocation. You know, but Jesus loved us so much that he went through all of that. You know, and, and even before then, you know, he's beaten, mocked, scorned, all that stuff. He, he went through all of that for us. He did it for the lost sheep. He did it for the sinner. He did it for you, and he did it for me. Let's look at 1 John 3.1 here, and it says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. So if you're someone who claims to follow God here, you are a child of God. You are a son. You are a daughter. You know, God loves you. And he's not going to abandon you. People in this life, they come and go, but God's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to be with you. Some takeaways I have for us today is, I mean, kind of, been beating this one here, but God loves the sinner. And it's just part of his character. And I mean, he proved it by sending Jesus to die for us. He loves the sinner, and and even when you are a Christian, there's still times when you sin, and he still loves you. And you just need to confess what you're going through to him. And being part of God's character and reflecting that, this is a kind of an application here with a takeaway. We need to meet sinners where they are at. You know, I just want to share part of a friend's testimony here tonight. So this, this guy I met at college, uh, we were on the same football team together, uh, really cool guy. He, he was one of my best friends, pushed me to Jesus like one, nobody else, like when I was in college, while we were there together. We, we fought together, you know, we were, we were striving to be 
as Christ-like as we could, you know, accountability partner, all that, the whole nine yards. And he, um, when he was in high school, he was not a Christian. He grew up not a Christian, not a Christian home. And he had a football coach that just, you know, would, you know, work in the gospel, you know, just did life with him, related to him. And one time, you know, just got how God works sometimes. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. He, did, he made some mistakes, and uh, he uh, ended up in juvie for a little bit of time, a couple months. And this football coach went and met with my friend consistently, went and met with my friend while he was in juvie. And he came to know the Lord while he was in the juvenile detention center. And the crazy thing is, is like, all of us have like the strength and ability to like do things like that. Like you can meet somebody where they are. Like somebody, and you can just just be a friend to somebody. And when those conversations come up, just have the courage to speak about Jesus. I know sometimes like everybody gets scared, be like, "Oh crap, I got to talk about my faith." Like, but really, like if you care about somebody, you're gonna share the truth with them, especially a truth is you know, as big as this. So, just doing life with people, that relational evangelism piece is huge. And, you know, if if you are a Christian, just reflect on the love that God has, you know, lavished upon you. You know, just how he's moved through your life, and be ready to share your testimony. You know, when those people that um, don't know Christ come, be able to share the hope that's in you to those people. Um, let's close in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. I just want to thank you for everything you give us, Lord. Lord, I would just pray that um, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would come to know you. Lord, I just want to thank you that you did send your son to die for us because, Lord, we know we don't deserve it. And Lord, just thank you for your love. And Lord, I would just pray that the people in this room who are saved, Lord, that they would look back and remember what you've done for them, what you've brought them through, Lord. And Lord, uh, just please give the believers in this room the courage to speak your name, especially when opportunities come up, Lord, and that they would just meet sinners and people who don't believe right where they are, Lord, and love them like you would. In your son's holy name, amen. Good night and thrive.